past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant. Happy to have you here with us today. Today, we're going to talk about perhaps one of the most dreaded skills in our professional lives, public speaking, and specifically presentations, how we can get better at giving presentations. It's interesting that this is such a huge fear for most of us, whether it starts in high school or in college or who knows where that starts. Typically, we have a bad experience and we kind of frame everything from that moving forward. We, we think we're horrible, we're nervous, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. When I was in high school, I remember being in speech class and just being mortified and horrified, and I don't even remember what the speech was about. It's that... It was that all-consuming of a negative emotion. I, I remember watching some other people do their speeches. I remember some of the topics of their of my classmates' speeches. And mostly I remember being just so happy that my high school speech class gave us the credit that we needed to not have to take speech in college. So I was going to get away with like never having to give another speech, right? Never in my life, ever, ever, ever again was I going to have to give a speech. And then something shifted somewhere, probably in graduate school, where giving a presentation became much more about sharing information. It was in a safe place, I don't know why high school didn't feel safe. I'm sure that my teacher would say that it should have been, but I don't know that high school feels safe for anybody. Maybe that's a horrible place to start with speeches. It's, there's just trauma around it for all of us. And that trauma for a lot of us becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a couple of ways. One, you're so nervous about that speech that maybe you're like me, and it means that then you procrastinate putting it together. Thankfully, I don't do this anymore, but I can remember when I first started doing presentations that I would be so nervous that I wouldn't really do the prep work that I needed to do. And then, of course, the speech wouldn't go well, and, and it would it would be a circle. Or that we practice so much and so hard and have ourselves so worked up about it that then we get there and we deliver a horrible speech because we've got so much angst and anxiety inside of us. And unfortunately, those negative experiences for most of us probably happen at at least once or twice again at some point. Uh, A rabble rouser in the crowd or negative feedback from a boss somewhere down the line even when we think we might have it under control. 
that negative experience happens again and kind of re-traumatizes us. So how do we break that cycle? How do we get out of this being our most feared professional skill to have to use? And we're going to talk a little bit about the preparation side of it and factors that that I've found at least for success in creating a, a situation where you can be successful, feel successful, and perhaps creating those those opportunities for yourself to practice. And then we're going to talk about some more hard and fast tips around being a better speaker, putting together a better presentation. And at the end, we'll talk a little bit about the dreaded PowerPoint and how you can do that better if you feel the need or the situation requires that you use a PowerPoint. So first, let's talk a little bit about setting yourself up for success. And what I noticed happened for me and made it easier when I first started doing public speaking regularly, frequently. So a few of the things that didn't work. One of the things that didn't work for me was partnering with somebody else. It sounds great, right? Then you can kind of hide and not have to be quote unquote center stage the whole time. But here's what I found happened. That especially if that person is more experienced than you, they become, they become, a fallback, they become a tree that you hide behind in, in maybe a few different ways. Sort of like going to a networking event with someone you know, and instead of what you say you're going to do, which is have them introduce you to people they know, what really ends up happening is you just follow them around and enjoy the fact that you don't have to really network, right? So that can be something that sounds like a great idea, but it really doesn't work out that well. The other thing that happened for me in that arena was then people expected or people judged us based on one speaking style when we had different speaking styles. And I can tell you that there's nothing more true than if you try to be someone else while you're presenting or you try to do something that isn't congruent with who you are, it's not going to work. So if you're not funny and you try to be funny, it's not going to work. If you're not loud and boisterous and you try to be loud and boisterous, it's not going to work. And this probably set me back a little bit in my public speaking. I was doing well until I was doing better until I had that experience where I co-presented with someone and started to feel like, oh, I needed to be more outgoing and, and more boisterous like she was that's not me. So it was fake. It fell flat. It didn't work. And for a while, I thought that I could never be a good presenter because of that. I could never be good in front of an audience because I wasn't her, because I wasn't that way, because I wasn't that energetic person. Thankfully, I went to some speaking training and had a, a good trainer share with me what my strengths were and how I could present in a way that were aligned with my strengths. So that's one pitfall, I guess two pitfalls to watch out for. Thinking it'll be easier to share the stage with someone else and trying to be someone that you're not. 
in, in general, putting a mindset around it that you have to be someone else, have to do something else, have to act something else to be a successful speaker. That's, that's just really not the way that it works. And we'll talk a little bit about why that is when we get to some of our, our speaking tips. Some of the things that I thought would be scary surprised me as actually being very good for me. So one of the first presentations that I ever did when I got into this line of work was going into a few local rotary clubs and doing a presentation on how to help someone you love that was going through job transition. So this was in 2009, 2010, and, you know, people were losing their jobs all over the place. And a lot of everyone out there in the public didn't know how to handle that. How do you help someone who just lost their job? I saw a lot of misconceptions around how that process works. You know, people would say, oh, have you got a new job yet? Or are you looking for someone new when that person was still going through the grieving process of the job they just lost? So I went to the Rotary Clubs and I had a little bit of a presentation, but most of it was going to be based on audience questions and fielding audience questions. Scary, right? There's not, you can't practice. There's not a set set of slides. There's not a... a script to read and what I found was that because the audience was asking questions and I was answering the questions that engagement that back and forth that piece of actually introverted speakers tend to engage more with their audience instead of perform in front of their audience what benefits and and pros and cons to both of those things But the fact that I was engaging with the audience and answering their questions actually made that a really good experience for me and for the audience. They loved it. I got rave reviews. It was something that they shared with other Rotary Clubs that I had the opportunity to go and do it for other Rotary Clubs. So it was a much different experience than I expected it to be because I was, I was engaging with the audience in a way that sometimes we don't when we put together our rehearsed presentation. One of the things that when I first started speaking on career topics, I learned really quickly that I could fake it if I wasn't an expert in a topic or didn't feel expert in a topic, but it really wasn't the best. Sure, I could research it and I could put together tips. I remember doing a presentation on negotiation when I was just out of grad school and I don't have any experience negotiating at that point, right? I was just starting my business. I'd worked in the university environment and I did my research and I put together this presentation. And I think informationally it was fine, but I couldn't share any stories. I couldn't really connect with the content. And so it didn't go very well. Whereas as I continued to presenting more or even at that point in my career, when I talked about things I had more experience with, which at that point would have been the resume topics, helping a lot of people with their resumes, had stories, had ideas, could really connect with the audience's needs, fears, wants on those topics. 
so much easier to create the presentation and to deliver it because I was really engaged in and had some in- engagement with the, the topic area. So if you're just getting started or you're, you're afraid and, and this is one of your biggest fears, try to pick those topics where you live it every day. You do it every day. It's something that is really authentic to your knowledge base and you'll find that it goes a lot easier helps to have that in-depth knowledge of the content even more than we might think yeah you can research something have an intellectual presentation about it but it's probably going to be a little bit more nerve-wracking because you can't speak from that very deep place of knowledge for yourself and we all might feel a little bit like imposters when we're up in front of a group and it's not our favorite place to be you're going to feel even more like that imposter if it's not a content area that's really comfortable for you we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about effective presentation skills and tools tips that you can use to be a better presenter and then we'll get on to some other presentation points so we'll be right back in just a few minutes voice america business network the bottom line in business You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Each week, Larry Sternberg joins Dr. Kim Turnage to explore management issues from culture to discipline in Managing to Make a Difference. Join Talent Plus for 60 minutes of dynamic conversation, including real-life management examples helping you manage teams across the globe. This series airs on Voice America, the business channel, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Managing to Make a Difference every Thursday afternoon with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to Career Confidant. Today we're talking about presentation skills and being more comfortable as a presenter and some tips and techniques to be more effective. Mindset-wise, start with the things that you're more comfortable with, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but practice, practice, practice. I think there's also a false belief out there that if you are over-rehearsed, it'll sound rehearsed. That really is not true. The more that you're rehearsed, the better the better the presentation will be. So don't be thinking about, oh, I've got my bullet points and I can go off the cuff. Usually that doesn't work so well. A few tips for planning your presentation. As I said, having a, a subject area that is passionate for you, knowledgeable, that you're really interested in, whatever language you want to use there. Passion may not be the right word. That's okay. But an area that you're knowledgeable about and interested in, something that sparks you. If it doesn't spark you, you're going to have a hard time in front of that audience because they're going to be just as bored as you are with the topic. Sometimes that is necessary, right? Sometimes you have to talk about a boring topic and hopefully some of these other tips can help you make that as good as possible when that is what has to happen. When you are passionate don't or knowledgeable, don't let that fool you into thinking you, you don't need to prepare or plan. I've given a few speeches about something I was really passionate about that I didn't really plan ahead of time. And in my mind, my my mind kind of said to myself at some point during those presentations, I'm getting a little preachy, right? When I haven't practiced and I'm really passionate, sometimes you go off on a tangent or go too far down a road, say something that you really don't say it the way you mean it. Um, I was giving a presentation at the Association for Talent Development, which is a big conference, and they're very selective in their speakers. And I was talking about how career development with inside organizations is so important because people always say that they want a job with meaning, but really they've got to connect with the meaning in any job. So no matter who you work for, you have to figure out what's meaningful in that job or another job for yourself. So I was giving the example of it's not going to help you to go work for a nonprofit because that nonprofit may not have their mission may not fulfill your need. So you may think, Oh, I want to go work for this nonprofit because they have such an awesome mission, but it's not really the mission that's important to you. Maybe it's what you do every day, or maybe it's what, you know, the skills you get to use are the people that you work with. We all have different needs at work. And when we don't know what those are, sometimes we go searching for an organization to provide us with meaning when it doesn't really work that way. And that's what I meant to say, but somehow I ended up saying something that 
was around nonprofits not being the golden key, the golden answer, and you know, working for a nonprofit doesn't solve everybody's problem, and it just came out wrong. It was, and you know, I'm passionate about people really figuring out what they're looking for and what meaning means to them, but I hadn't practiced saying it the right way. And so when it came out during the session, I think it offended a few people that were there that work for nonprofits. Um, so, you know, those areas where you're really passionate about, maybe even it's more important to practice what you're going to say so that you don't get off on a tangent or say something that that's not the way that you mean it. The passion is your ability to connect with the audience, and that's what makes it a good presentation, that connection with the audience. And you've probably been to presentations by really high-level motivational speakers or people who are really well-known for motivational speaking, and you're entertained in the moment. You feel maybe even heightened in the moment, but then it doesn't really stick with you. That is a symptom of someone being an entertainer but not connecting with their audience. Both are important in each in their own way and each in your own way, according to your strengths. What's your passion and how can you connect to that audience and being authentic? When you're focused on their needs and what they might want out of the presentation, then it becomes easier and you feel better about getting up there to present it because you know it's going to be useful to them. This is what makes presentations work for me, is that usually have a pretty good idea of the audience, what their needs, fears, desires are, and can really focus on giving them what I think they need. Hopefully most of the time it's pretty much on cue. And then I feel good about what I'm delivering. I feel like what I'm giving is, is adding value which quiets some of those nervous feelings or negatives that have happened in the past. Keep it simple. So a lot of people talk about the, the rule of three, that you need to have no more than three messages that your audience is taking away. So a, a key thesis point, if you will, and three main bullet points underneath it, you should be able to boil your speech down to that. A good old five-paragraph essay, right, where you've got the introduction and thesis statement, three main supporting points or messages related to that, and then your conclusion. If you can't boil it down to that, you're most likely not giving a presentation. <laughs> Maybe you're doing a workshop and you and you have a little bit different um, outcomes there, but one main message, three main points is what you're going for if you're giving a, a presentation. When you're doing a presentation, you want to start your preparation with the beginning. How are you going to open? Is it a story? 
is an audience poll where they get to raise their hands or get involved in some way. The beginning part to your presentation is what grabs their attention, gets them engaged in the presentation, and hopefully also tells them why they should care. So, you know, if I'm giving a presentation to a job search group, I might say, you know, how many of you think that more than 50% of jobs are hired before a position is posted? And, you know, everybody might raise their hand. So I've got everyone on my page, right? I've got everyone saying, all right, so this is important because she's going to tell us how to get those jobs that are posted before or that are available, hired before they're posted. Or I might tell a story and we'll talk a little bit about storytelling here in a minute. I might tell a story that they can see themselves in in the story. The stories I told earlier about presenting in high school or, you know, whatever it is that you think your audience could identify with, leading with that type of a story, you can say, okay, this presenter gets it. They're on my page. They're talking about things that matter to me because I can identify and see myself in that story. It gives you a, a way to really connect with them quickly. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about slideshows um, and how you make those effective. The main concern most people have with that is that they don't have the slideshow as a an addition or a backup to them. They try to make the presentation the main gig. So kind of like sharing the floor with someone, only you're sharing this, the floor with the PowerPoint and you're trying to give everyone's attention to the PowerPoint so that they're not paying attention to you. But what happens is that's boring. <laughs> and so people disengage and they're not really paying attention to the PowerPoint or to you. When you are speaking, when you are giving the presentation, you want to be center stage. You want to be the, the center of attention. And your slideshow should just be a supporter, uh, an offering of, of variety or visuals that prove your, your point or engage your audience and help them connect with the material in a different way. If they are reading a PowerPoint, you've lost them. They're not engaged in you and what you're saying, and they're not really engaged in the presentation itself either. So we'll talk a little bit more about the death by PowerPoint in a little bit. A few other presentation-related skills are to use your voice and silence to your benefit. So pauses offer an opportunity for people to re-engage because when it's quiet, they go, oh, oops, I, I'm missing something. And they tune back in. Pauses also help emphasize points in a story 
or give people an opportunity to see themselves in your story. When you're using your voice, you're thinking about your tonality, your pitch. You want to avoid being monotone and thinking and talking everything in the same pitch and voice and right, it it's really doesn't work very well. So inflection in your voice, a little bit of differentiation in your volume up and down, not too quiet, of course. And really working hard to get rid of your ticks. So if you say um all the time, it will drive your audience crazy. My husband and I went to a childbirth class before we had our, our son, and the lady said um almost every other word. I'm sure it wasn't that bad, but it was really bad. I almost had to leave because doing what I do, I'm hyper aware to it. And then once you clued in on that someone's doing that, it's impossible to stop hearing it. And it was it was really bad. I almost had to leave. So if um is your fallback, get rid of it. Find some way, whether it's that you pinch yourself or you wear a rubber band on your wrist and you snap it every time you say it. In your everyday conversations, get rid of it. That will help you get rid of it in your presentations. If it's and, lately mine has been so. It's kind of frustrating that once you think you've mastered and gotten rid of one, a new one will pop up for some reason. I go through some of the recordings of my classes and hear so, so, so over and over again, which is almost as annoying as um. Figure out what that is for you and be cognizant of it. Cognizant of it. Help yourself get rid of it because it really does undermine your authority and people will stop listening. Seems small, seems like it's not that big of a deal. And of course, it's okay to say um or and or so every once in a while. That's human. When you do it too frequently, you, you lose your listener. Use your body. What to do with your hands is like the most challenging thing on earth when you're speaking. And uh, Cindy Skalicki has a video I saw her do recently on, on what to do with your hands. Watch some videos. Start practicing. What in the heck do you do with your hands while you're presenting? Because it's a challenge. And if you're not paying attention, it will, um, you'll, you'll lose your audience because you're having a hard time with your body language. All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to finish talking about these tips and then dive into some tips for better presentations. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career 
you can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In this fast-paced, technologically-driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Geller. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking about presentation skills and how to improve your presentation skills, how to be a little bit less afraid of the dreaded speaking in front of people, skill that most people say is their weakness or what they are most afraid of. So we talked about how to plan your presentation and and we've talked a little bit about delivery. We were just talking about body language before we went to break how that nonverbal communication and a lot of it is looking comfortable on the stage. And from what I see when people present, this is probably the, one of the most challenging skills, practicing what you're going to say, having tonality, but practicing how you're going to move your body is a challenge for most people. What do you do with your arms? What do you do with your body? The goal is to be as comfortable, kind of open and confident and natural as we can be. So you wouldn't talk with your hands in your pockets or holding the microphone like you're going to pass out if you let it go. We're going for that more open communication like you would talk with your hands, which I'm doing right now, although you can't see me. You want that natural, you want your body to be as natural as you want your voice to be. 
because then people can engage with you. They can say, okay, that person's a person. They're not a robot up there with their hands in their pockets or whatever that might be. It's something that you're going to have to practice. takes practice, takes a lot of practice. Um, like I said, probably is the last skill I see most even semi-professional speakers master is that body language use of your hands and arms in a way that's effective and comfortable and doesn't look forced. Do what you can. Challenge yourself to not hold that microphone or stand behind a podium. The more you practice it, the better you'll get. Let's talk a little bit about dress, shall we? In today's business world, it's becoming more and more common for people to dress in many different ways. I went to a presentation at an HR conference, so formal rule-following HR people here, and it's this. It was a kind of a big deal conference, right? It's not just a little local get together. And one of their keynote speakers was wearing ripped jeans and a hoodie. Her claim during this presentation was that that was authentic to her. I don't buy it. It was rude. It was unprofessional. It was disrespectful almost. You can be authentic to you and still appropriate for the group. Find a middle ground. Know what's appropriate for the group. Wearing a suit and tie or a tux may just be uh, as equally inappropriate. You don't want to wear something you're not comfortable in by any means. You don't want to wear something that doesn't work for you. So when I first graduated um, from my master's program, I bought two or three suits because I was going to be speaking, right? I was going to go in front of people. I was going to be speaking. I was going to wear these suits. And I tried to buy one with a little bit of style because I'd never had a suit before. Every time that I put that suit up on and got in front of a crowd, I felt like the biggest imposter ever. It just didn't work for me. Now, does that mean that I wear jeans and a hoodie when I go present? No, what it does mean is that I wear a skirt and a blouse, and maybe a blazer, something that is more comfortable for me and more my style and still appropriate for the audience. If I was going to go present in a corporation, I might have to step that up even a little bit more, and it probably means I'll never go and speak in that big of a formal corporation because it's just not me in many ways, just not me. So knowing ourselves, doing what's comfortable for us and what's appropriate for the audience, try to find that middle ground. Your authenticity is important. How you feel up there and being comfortable in what you're wearing, feeling confident in what you're wearing is extremely important. And you also want to give thought to what's going to be appropriate for your audience. In that same vein, we also want to think about that in the material that we're putting together, the stories that we're going to tell. 
Now, we know that people remember stories. You can give them facts and numbers all day long. But what they remember and what they connect that data to is stories. Stories are going to be a very powerful tool for all of our communications, really, and even that much more important in presentations. One of the least effective presentations I've ever seen was by a presenter that just came so highly recommended and so many people loved her. And I was sitting in the audience listening to this presentation and I thought, is it just me that this is not working for? I kind of look around the table and I see other people kind of scrunching up their faces and it wasn't working for them either. I thought, okay, what is it about this that's not working? And as I listened and, you know, kind of picked it apart, which is not fair for the speaker, I had the opportunity to do that. Why wasn't this working? And what it came down to was that all of the stories were about her, which is fine. You can use stories about you in a presentation, but none of them took the opportunity to connect with the audience. So she was talking about these stories that she'd gone through horrific physical challenges and how she'd overcome them. And it should have been really inspirational. But why it wasn't, why it didn't work is the stories were never connected back to the audience. It was never assumed or stated or questioned that we most likely had gone through similar challenges or we knew people who'd gone through similar challenges. No, it was the speaker up there and she had overcome these difficulties that no one else in the world could ever, would ever go through and, and overcome the way she had. Those kind of stories usually don't work for people because they want to connect to you. They want to connect to your pain. They want to connect your life to their life or lives that they know. And if you don't give them an opportunity to do that, if you don't ask them questions or tell the story in a way that invites them to be a character in it, you end up almost being preachy or, uh, you know, she just came across as a huge snot. <laughs> um, so you want to engage people in that story. And here are a few ways to do that. One is to think about the characters in your story. So who are going to be the people in your story? And in what ways can your audience identify with those people in the story? And as you're telling the story, you may even say that. Maybe you've been there before, or maybe you know someone who's also had a challenge like this, or maybe you yourself have been in a position where you were sitting in a conversation and had this same feeling. 
thinking about the characters, you're thinking about who they are, and you're also thinking about how that story or their stories connect with your audience. When you do that, then they can put themselves in the story and it becomes, it connects the dots. It engages them. It makes them feel like you're talking about them, with them, to them, not over their heads or in, in that kind of arrogant way. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll finish talking about how you can create powerful stories to tell during your presentations. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about presentation skills, getting over your fear making it more comfortable for yourself, and then some tips on how to do it well. We were just diving into stories and how important stories are for your presentation. Now, this is true no matter your content. So kind of especially if you're talking about boring topics like finances or, or even if you're talking about sales numbers or engineering 
My husband does a lot of training on engineering topics. The more that you can work in stories, customer stories, project stories, the more people will connect the dots, be engaged in your presentation, and get the takeaways that you want them to get. So you want to think about stories that back up your talking points and the characters in them. When at all possible, you want to think about the challenge or obstacles that they faced or the kind of what wasn't working at the beginning so that you can have that element of conflict in your story. Now, it doesn't need to be, you know, a bunch of details about conflict that aren't appropriate. If you're talking about a customer, you probably don't want to talk about conflict that might be inappropriate, but you could talk about what was not working from their standpoint, what was going on. You want to create a little bit of that conflict because that the resolution of that is what your story's kind of built around. So a lot of times in the careers industry, we talk about challenge, action, results. Some people talk, you know, pro- problem or opportunity, opportunity, action, result. It doesn't matter what verbiage you get it. The structure is important and the idea that there's some kind of conflict or description of what wasn't working because that makes the result more effective. When you don't paint a picture of what was wrong, what wasn't working, what the gap was, then when you talk about the results or or how things are going now, it doesn't just doesn't have the same teeth. One of our speaker trainers, Cindy Skulicki, who I talked about that has a, a video she's done on how to use your hands, she also talks about stories and she talks about the emotion. So you can use emotion to create the conflict as well. So how's the customer feeling? What was going on? Telling that that emotional piece helps the audience identify with your your character and your story. So at the very beginning when I was talking about having to give a presentation in high school and that I was so scared, I don't even remember what the topic was, that emotion and, you know, probably even a little bit more of it would be helpful for you as the listener to identify with that story, to feel that with me, to kind of go to that place of where things weren't working so that then when we get through the story and I tell you some of the pieces that can help or that helped me and then here are where I am now, the emotion, the emotional journey is something you can follow even if you don't follow all of the tips, tools, facts, you can follow the emotion and that's what you're trying to help your your audience do. So you're describing those challenges, you're describing the emotion around it so that they get emotionally invested in your story and you show them that you're emotionally invested in what they might be going through so that you've got that connection 
together of this is the challenge. And how deep you go into that is going to be dependent on your topic area. I would encourage you to think about it no matter what your topic area is. Is there a way that you can tell a story, connect it to what your audience might be feeling, and use some kind of emotion in that story, even if it's not that deep, shall we say? How can you help them connect with you through that the story so that you've got them on board throughout the the conversation then of course at the end you have that resolution and you want the emotion that goes along with that too what helps people get to caring about what you say is the the pain right when you talk about sales or people talk about sales often they talk about what's the pain of the target audience when you can identify that pain and tell a story that shows you've been there before or you know what it looks like, then you move them to a place where it's better and you share that emotion, then you can help people realize the importance of what you said in between or what you're going to say or people connect the dots pretty easily. When you're telling stories a hard Part of it for a lot of people is what are the right details? So this is where the practice piece comes in. Telling your story, writing your story, maybe even getting some feedback on your story from other people. What pieces of it matter? What pieces of it don't matter? What pieces of it engage your audience? What pieces don't? So that you have a story that has enough details that it engages them, but not so many details that it loses loses them. Somewhere in the middle there and telling that story, practicing it, writing it out so that you know which details you want to share and which details you're going to leave out. Public speaking is one of those activities that it really does get better the more you do it. So if this is something that you feel like is getting in your way of getting where you want to go in your career, find a Toastmasters group Practice, practice, practice. Get in front of people as much as you can. It may seem ridiculous. It may seem like, oh my gosh, this will just never, this will never get better. And I can tell you that I don't know if my high school speech teacher knows what I do for a living, but 90% of the way that I make money is talking, teaching, training, speaking to other people, with other people, engaging them in conversations to learn. And that, I love it. I love it. And who would have thought? Standing in a high school speech class, barely able to talk, read to the gills that this is where I would make my living. So if it's getting in your way, Take some of these tips, start with a, an, a knowledge, an area of knowledge that you're really confident in, and just speak and talk and take every opportunity you can get, because it really is something that you can master, something that doesn't have to get in the way of your career success. We'll be right back here again next week on The Career Confidant with another topic to help you take your career to the next level. 
And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. We'll be right back.